0: Internet. This is Chase Wassenaar from Unicorn, and welcome to a very special edition of the Rough Drafts podcast. It's time to preview the North American LCS summer split. It starts this week. Uh, Not a lot of huge roster moves to necessarily talk about. You know, the the teams that uh, were playoff teams last split uh, stayed put. No big changes on their end. A little bit of shuffling around on the bottom tier. Um, but this is going to be a split in which teams that were just so close in the spring split, especially in the regular season where uh, basically every playoff team was within a game of each other, um, Let's see, we're going to see who kind of separates themselves from the pack. And as I try to uh, make sense of where those ebbs and flows might happen, I can't think of anyone uh, I'd rather sit down and talk to you here than uh, Tim Sevenhusen from Oracle's Elixir, a guy who loves advanced metrics. Uh, even more than I do, which is saying a lot. Tim, how you doing, man?
1: Hey, I'm doing good.
0: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Uh, always happy to have you on the show. So uh, I just want to start, obviously, um, with, you know, the team that has earned the opportunity to be first in this North American discussion here is Team Liquid. Um, they did win last split, first time in their franchise history. They've done so. Uh felt like this team really took a leap forward between what we saw in the regular season where they were a little bit more inconsistent uh, and then took that step in the playoffs. And then at MSI, things got a little weird. Uh, Certainly the first couple days were not how they thought that tournament was going to go. So uh, as you look into the summer split, which of those kind of versions of Team Liquid do you think we're going to see uh, in this summer season?
1: You know, I think... The, the likeliest scenario we're going to get out of Team Liquid is probably very similar to Spring. I think, uh, you know, if, if you take it a bit, of a, a bit of a larger, like, take a step back, you know, the regular season looks, you know, decent but not amazing. And then they really round into form by the time playoffs come in. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they started Spring off very strong and then had a lull kind of during the middle and later portions. And then, you know, playoffs obviously rolled around and they kind of flipped the switch and, and off they went. I think we'll probably see an even slower start at the very beginning. Uh, I don't think this team's going to have any issues making playoffs. And I think they really will plan to to use the regular season, you know, as <clears throat> they're not going to go 100% to win every single game. They're going to, you know, focus on their 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 improvement, focus on their practice time, focus on trying out different different things and making sure they're well-rounded um and really make sure that they're ready uh, by the time playoffs hit.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's very fair. It's something that we've seen from almost every MSI team a little bit more of a break between the end of MSI and the start of this split than maybe previous years have had. but we we know this trend where where you know these teams, you know have this extra month of play and extra month of, of prep that they really need to put in. So you know they they tend to give their players a little bit of extra time to you know recover mentally, give themselves that kind of refresh period. and if that means, that they have a weaker Week 1, Week 2, I think they're okay with that. Because the the trade-off is then that you have players who you you believe are going to be fresh and make that second playoff run. So I'm with you on that. Uh, A team that we usually talk about in the same light, but we can't really do so this split, would be TSM. Uh, TSM's always been that kind of team. Where oh man, you know, it doesn't matter how certain things in the regular season might look, they're going to figure it out when the playoffs come, and they're going to go on and do their finals thing because that's what they've always done. Uh, and this split was the first split where that didn't happen. So uh, is this, you know, or is it time for us to kind of reevaluate uh, that kind of assumption that TSM? Will always figure it out, or should we maybe put the brakes on the end of TSM era narrative that's kind of started to form here, and, and look at it as a team that started to do really well towards the end of the split and had a, a really weird matchup against Clutch. Uh, which which kind of school do you find yourself in?
1: You know, I I think I think it's a little bit a little bit in the middle. I think there's. In terms of kind of TSM, you know, not being the dominant force anymore that always makes finals every single season, like you know that that streak was broken. I think that's that's an accurate story, but that doesn't necessarily say as much about TSM as it does about the rest of the league. I think with with franchising coming in this year, we really saw every team was able to to make a much better push to come up with a much more well-rounded roster. I think going into spring. It was we knew off the bat already like there are no free win rosters in this in this league anymore Mm -hmm. um there are definitely you know some some stronger some stronger rosters some weaker rosters you can kind of kind of tell how there's a little bit of uh of separation there but it's not you know there's not the ninth tenth place team that if you lose to them you really got to hang your heads you know i think even the teams in the, the the bottom end of the league have legitimate talent they have you know N- not necessarily the, the the most glaring weak points um and when a team comes into a league like that and was dominant before well now they have you know eight or nine other teams that they have to prove it against whereas before maybe they only had five or six uh and and i yeah i think that that has a lot to do with why tsm you know they they also had some some of their own factors to deal with with a lot of roster change on their side that they they never really quite seemed to click and. and and bring it all together the way they wanted to. They had, you know, uh, a, a pretty young player who obviously uh, it seemed like Mike Young was struggling quite a bit and and never quite rounded into the form that he wanted to be in. Um, and you know, there, there are TSM factors of, of of their that that you can point to as well for why they kind of didn't quite bring it together. But I think it's I think it's a whole combination of things.
0: Yeah. No. There, there's certainly there's not one point that went wrong for TSM. I, I think that combo of everyone else got better and and they did not address some of the uh, systemic issues that we've seen exploited on the international stage before. You know, we've seen in, in group stages this TSM team uh, struggle to adapt uh, when a strategy has come up that kind of counters what it is that they're used to doing, uh, when people can kind of limit what their jungler uh, is doing uh, but we haven't seen it in regional play, and I, I do think you are correct to point to how, there is no easy path anymore with franchising, with the quality of teams that, we, that we've seen. Uh, so is, is there anything, if, if you are a TSM fan right now, is there anything you would see in the numbers that would give you hope that this team kind of bounces back this split and, and returns to that you know kind of powerhouse spot?
1: You know, I, I think for TSM, it, it has a lot less to do with kind of in-game specific actions or, you know, anything measurable like that. And I think it has a lot more to do with outside-of-the-game factors. I think it has to do with communication. It has to do with confidence, um, kind of those kind of soft factors. And I know they, they've had Weldon in for a, for a week-long boot camp leading into the season, and and that's always seemed to— they're a team that seems to kind of return to the the Weldon well when they can and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and seems to kind of help them out quite a bit. And a player like Mike Young, like definitely, I think, could benefit from that with the, the kinds of the kinds of things that, you know, that, that, a, that a good sports psychologist can can help with, uh, you know, maintaining focus, being confident. Um, obviously, Sven and they both have a lot of experience with with Well and working with G2 last year as well, and I think that should get them on the right foot. The question is whether they can continue that with the the actual, you know, permanent coaching staff they have, whether they can maintain that. And I think if TSM starts on a strong note, which there's lots of reason to believe that they will. You know, they get they get a good run of wins early, continue it on. I think they definitely have all the tools to be a top two or three team like we all expected they would be. Uh, and I would lean towards them performing this split. Uh, the The problem is that when you go out fifth, sixth, it feels like a giant failure when really it was you lost one you lost one best of 5 series and if you had won that series top 4 is not so bad right, right. Uh, there's always a chance of losing any given series and so even last split i think they weren't as bad as fifth six makes them sound um, it was just one series that didn't go their way uh, this split i think there's no reason to kind of knock them down the ladder and 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 believe that suddenly they're all you know washed up or anything like that i think they're they're still definitely a top 2 3 team and they should be treated as such.
0: I yeah I I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think there are people out there who are hoping for the end of the the TSM era, if only because you know it gets boring to see the same team up there every single split. Um, and and some of the international disappointments I th- I think can wear on fans who are looking for someone that's going to put that stamp on the region internationally and show that. North America should be in a conversation with some of these other regions. Uh, but there, I, there's just, there's so much talent on that team. And you, you just have to think that the, you know, for, from all the mental angle and from a game planning perspective, I, I think that they can take a lot of lessons from last split. And they still have all the tools that made me think they were going to be uh, a top two team last split. And I, I find it very hard to talk myself uh, out of putting them in my top two this split. But I know that there's at least one team that that would be very upset hearing that for me, and that would be 100 Thieves. Because 100 Thieves were a finalist this split, and, and they're a team that, you know, ever since they lost that series to Team Liquid, kind of feels like they faded in the background uh, of discussion of the region. What What do you think that team needs to do if they're going to prove that you know, this wasn't some one-off and that they can really be a top two team, uh, once again, this split.
1: they hundred thieves are, are a very interesting team to talk about because obviously they did make it to the finals. You know, they've, they've got a lot of, uh, a lot of really well-known players and, and you know, they have the, the stars and someday and Aframu, um, you know, they've got these really well known veterans who are always gonna carry a lot of a lot of weight in, in these discussions. You know, there there are lots of reasons on paper to say that this team is you know, deserves to be that that top two and uh going into the going into the start of the summer split. Every time I look at them though, I it's these kind of hard to quantify question marks uh that that make it feel like, well, they're just gonna have to prove themselves again. They're just gonna have to actually go out and win and then I'll believe in them. Uh, it's it's hard to say exactly what that comes down to. Um, I, I think like I'm especially like I, I try not to let things like the meta you know influence these things because the, the meta can adjust so much over the course of a season um, and also especially going into summer with you know the the current meta of all kinds of random crazy things going on especially in, in the bottom lane and who really knows what's going on there anymore. Yeah. Um, I try not to let it influence me, but one thing I do know is that regardless of meta, almost regardless of meta, the jungle mid duo is almost always one of the, the core. Like, if you can't win the mid lane and and work well with your jungler to kind of roam and influence the rest of the map, it's very difficult to be a strong team that actually performs well and wins. It's it's certainly possible, um, I would say looking at, at Team Liquid is maybe one of the examples that to me is one of the teams that won despite having not necessarily the strongest uh jungle mid duo. But but when I look at Hunt of Thieves and Medios and Ryu, that's not that's never been the pairing that really screamed like this team is gonna be, you know, meta-proof, they've got a strong jungle mid duo, they're gonna they're gonna be able to make it work and no matter what it is. That and and uh that element of doubt still exists for me. Uh, and I'm curious, you know, whether those guys will be able to step up um, and kind of win me over, because uh, I felt like in spring they never really did, even as they made it to the finals.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I, I Medios performing as well as he did last split was both refreshing and also felt a little bit like an outlier during the regular season, just given what we've seen from him in, in previous splits. Uh, it was, a, it was a pretty big jump. Uh, as far as you know, th- you know things like his KDA and his kill participation, um, which was interesting to see. Uh, it, it, it's it feels like a, a duo that can be adjusted to. I I'm not <coughs> convinced by Ryu. I do think that if Ryu is going to make another step forward and prove us wrong, you know, Prawley is the guy to do that. That's the coach with whom Ryu has been the most successful by a significant margin. Uh, ever since leaving KT Rolster back in the day. Um, so it, it's possible. I, I want to believe in it because someday is best day and their side lanes are so fun. But it's just... it, it Yeah, it, it does feel very weird. And in a, in a meta where everything is up in the air, um, you, you want to go back to the tried and true formulas of League of Legends. And that's not what made 100 Thieves work um, last split. It, it's going to be going to be very interesting to see if they can they can hold up but uh I you know we've got three other teams that were in the playoffs last split uh you know in cloud nine uh clutch gaming and echo fox uh these are teams that uh i i felt c- could really have they, they they each had moments in which they seemed like very strong teams and they each had moments in which it felt like they were you know, having a hard time getting on the same page and and making it work. If you had to pick one of these three teams to miss the playoffs this split, uh, which one would it be?
1: Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, It wouldn't be Echo Fox, uh, in my mind. It would definitely be between Cloud9 and Clutch. And it's really hard for me to call between the two of them. I think I'd probably lean more towards Clutch having kind of a – the greater downside, like the, the, the higher likelihood to, to underperform. Uh, I think both teams obviously have a super strong mid laner. Uh, both teams have bottom lanes that have, that have been very reliable clutch. I'd say arguably surprisingly so, uh, but I don't know. Both teams have also had these, these, these kind of elements to their performance that, that really make me wonder Clutch was a team that that I felt really overperformed in the playoffs. Obviously, beating TSM, you know, was was something that nobody really expected going in, and they and they pulled that off, and that really, that really was the highlight of, of what they did in the playoffs. But uh, just as I was saying, like any series on the TSM side, any series you go into, there's always a chance you lose it, even if you're, you know, on paper the better team. I think Clutch kind of were the the beneficiaries of that. It's not that they're a bad team. It's not that that they didn't deserve to win or anything like that. None of those kind of storylines, but, but this is a team that, that to me is not an obvious top four performer. Uh, and you know, just as much as they could, if, if you, you pencil them in as say fifth, uh, and this is a way that I know Sebastian Park, uh, there, um, I'm not sure exactly what his job title is, general manager, director, whatever you want to call him, head of eSports. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sebastian Park always, you know, like to describe it as, you know, we could be a team that on paper is fifth, but you could perform anywhere between, you know, second and ninth. You never really know, especially when it comes to best of ones and where you land in the regular season. Uh, so, I, and I do think that Clutch have that potential to drop one or two extra regular season games that they had the opportunity to win. Um, and, you know, if they should have been the fifth place team, they could fall to seventh. And and I think that's I think that's kinda the risk that I see for them. They didn't really do anything to to make me believe their summer will be better than their spring. Uh not most of the teams kinda did stand pat, but 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 Clutch didn't really make any changes, even around the edges. You know, we did see a lot of these teams tweak things, or at least a few of the teams tweak things with their coaching staff, with their their analyst staff, things like that. Even Clutch didn't as far as I know, Clutch didn't really touch anything there. Right. Um. So yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm curious how they're going to come out, and whether some of these other teams that have, you know, arguably I'd say on paper a little more upside, a little more a little more potential to come out uh, might might actually end up delivering over them.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's a team where I really like the coaching staff that they've built. I, I thought their game plan against TSM was really intelligent. I I think they found a way to maximize their opportunities in that series and, and set their players up to succeed. Um, but that was a team that also had, you know, Fabiven saying, you know, heading into that wildcard stage, that he didn't have a lot of confidence because scrims weren't going very well. And, you know, they didn't feel like this was a team that was that was clicking on all cylinders. So, so I, I do agree with you that the downside is there. And... You know the one thing I, I think of when I I think of the other playoff teams is that Solo is probably the weakest player that was in the playoffs last split. Um, I, I feel like he's a guy that uh, puts a weak spot on this team that uh, teams with strong top laners can target, and, and certainly uh, with the number of imports that we've had now that franchising is a thing, you know there there are a lot of good top laners uh, that can that can target him and punish that weakness in a way, where Cloud9, you know, obviously they had uh, some slip-ups last split, but I I don't think they have that same kind of weakness that a team could easily go out and exploit. You could say Licorice had a bad split, but we know when the meta's in the right spot that Licorice can look like a very good top laner as well, and he's a young guy with with high upside to me in a way that solo, I, I kind of feel like we know who he is as a player at this point in his career. Now, there's the obvious beneficiary, if a clutch gaming were to fall apart, would be CLG. Uh, CLG is a team that we saw do very well towards the end of the split, got some good wins against some quality opponents. Uh, we also saw long stretches in which it felt like this team just could not get together on the same page, especially you know guys like Biofrost, who we kind of expected were just going to step up and and be able to to fit into this system perfectly it just felt like um the kind of communication wasn't there uh did you see enough towards the end of last split to believe that the clg team can earn their way into the playoffs this time around
1: oh absolutely i think clg definitely have the potential to be a playoff team uh how much further they could go than that is you know, whether or not they could win a quarterfinal, there's a chance. I wouldn't put it as the highest chance. Uh, although, here's the interesting thing from UCLG is that I think a lot of, from their coaching down to their roster, I think a lot of them thrive on being able to prepare against a specific opponent. Going into a best-of-five, I I would rate them higher than their ability to perform in, in a series of best-of-ones, like uh, in the regular season. Uh, and, and I think that's that's an interesting balance to find for a few of these different teams. Um so CLG, you know, being a team that if if they can really come in with a with a clear game plan, they know exactly what they want to do, they will know what their win conditions are. Uh, that's the situation where I see them thriving. I think that's especially true for Rainover. Um, it's also true for Hooey, having a having a specific plan. And uh, the the challenge will be can they can they do well enough in the best ones uh, to make it into the playoffs and then bring those strengths to bear. Uh, so I, you know, I think they, they definitely have a chance to make the playoffs at that point, depending on their specific matchup, you know, their, their chance to win a quarterfinal final comes down to, yeah, to, to wh- how their strengths match up against whatever opponent they've landed against so they could make some noise. Uh, the, the problem I have for CLG and it's the, the same problem, you know, ever since they put this roster together is that <clears throat> they do you know, a lot of their strength seems to rely on that kind of pre-planning the, those clear game plans. Um, rain especially as a player who his best performance was, you know, working alongside Huni, uh, not because Huni carried him or anything like that, but because Rainover always knew the, you know, the, the clear game plan we have is enable Huni protect Huni, you know, set him up for success. So you play you path towards the top side, you cover him as he pushes, you control the river on that half of the map. CLG is not that kind of a roster. Uh, and Rainover struggled even with Team Liquid last year to play to be a bottom lane focused jungler. This is a team that should be a bottom lane focused team with Stixay. Darshan has for two years now been the the player who sacrifices his own farm in order to join the team for, you know, team rotations, uh setting up team fights, grouping around objectives. He's not the you know, the solo carry split push, you know, make me a win condition kind of a top laner. Right. And after this much time, not seeing Rainover able to transition into a bottom lane oriented jungler, or for that matter, a mid lane oriented jungler, that's that's where my real kind of struggle comes in with, with seeing can they bring it all together. I think they, they have the chance, they have the potential to do it, but they, they've had a lot of chances to prove it so far.
0: Yeah, no, this, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. It's, it's a system question, really, um, and, and figuring out how to get Rainover to uh, get the right pieces ahead. You know, if if the bot lane, if he's not going to be able to uh, focus in that way, which, as you've said, we've got a lot of evidence that says he's going to struggle in that way, well, then we have to be able to get who he had. You know, you have to be able to get who he on the kind of roaming mid-laners on which he thrives. You know, there's a reason his Aurelian soul is as good as it is. You know, once they open up the map, I feel like this team becomes a much scarier team. But it is getting that map to that point in the early game, putting the the rest of the teammates and in, in a position to really capitalize on that that I don't think we saw enough of and I I don't think um, I don't think Darshan's going to return to the guy he was for Good Game University in season three where he was that solo carrying kind of player where you could just gank top and and make that work and know that you know he could split on someone like a and just you know close on you in the late game that's that's not where he is at this point in his career that's not the player that I think CLG want him to be. Uh, at this point. Um, so I, I do think it's going to require an, an adjustment from Rainover. Um, I let, Let's talk real quick about these uh, bottom three teams because the, the three teams, I think, that are, were at the bottom of the standings last split, to me at least, they feel like they're going to still be the teams at the bottom of the standings this split. Uh, if one of them was going to prove me wrong, Tim, uh, which one do you think it would be?
1: That is a good question. And see, I, it's hard for me to play favorites here and, and make predictions on them. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little closer to some of these teams than others. I've got deeper relationships to some of them than others. So it's a question I kind of struggle to answer for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, I think all three teams... So the bottom three teams are the teams that actually made some changes. And I think all three of them have the potential to to see some reward for those changes. I think... Uh, I'm, I'm personally glad that all those three teams did make cha- all those three teams did make changes. Uh, I don't have significant issues with any of those changes, um, and I think I think what we're actually going to see in, in practice is just a, a continuation of this theme of, of the, the you know the floor of the league is coming up. Uh, I don't think any of these teams will be worse than they were last. But mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I I mean on that I, I do think uh, we agree. Um, I think Mickey for Golden Guardians gives them a carry uh, player that they were lacking last split. Um, He's shown some really great high points uh, throughout his career. Uh, Consistency still could use maybe a little bit of work here and there, but certainly a guy who brings you that big play potential, which is something that uh, they definitely need. Um, Optic, I really love that uh, Doc is getting that starting spot. I, I think he earned it. Uh, by the end of the split pretty clearly to me. Um, I'm surprised that they went big over just keeping their academy support in Winter, who I I thought looked uh, pretty good in in the time that he had. But, you know, obviously they saw something, uh, you know, they've been working with him week in and week out, so they had their reasons for going out and getting a guy like Big who, you know, whatever else you could say about him, he is an LCS caliber support, I have a harder time with FlyQuest, and, and part of this is because uh, I am a fan of the team. All hail Lord Flame, may he reach the horizon forever. Um, but when it comes to the rest of this roster, I, I look at uh, Santorin coming back, and not only coming back, but being signed through uh, the, uh, you know, August of 2019. So seemingly they're making a, a move of commitment to him for the long run, not just this one split. Uh, despite the fact he's had a really hard time landing uh, ever since the TSM days kind of uh, ended up, uh, I do like Keen. I think Keen's a good a good player. Conquan uh, I I'm not sure what he's giving you that Stunt isn't giving you or wasn't giving you last split or at least had the upside to reach. Um, am I am I missing something with with Santorin and Uh What would talk me off the ledge here a little bit?
1: So my 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 sense with FlyQuest, so the I I mentioned earlier that like I I was good with all three of these teams making changes, and I thought the changes are reasonable. That's not to say that I think FlyQuest couldn't have potentially made some better changes. Although one thing that we've definitely seen with franchising in North America is that, and and I think it's a lot to do with the Academy League existing as well. A lot more players have contracts already. There's a, a much smaller player pool to go out there. And pick up free agents. If you're going to make a move, you've got to do what Golden Guardians did and actually, you know, trade for or buy a player from another team. Um, so they got Mickey by buying him off of Team Liquid Academy. Uh, FlyQuest just didn't have that much of a pool to dip into, so they brought Keen up from Academy. Uh Santorin, you know, because of uh, not sticking with H2K, he became available. So I think I think they may have had. I, I'm not sure how much they tried to kind of go for you know, academy players from other teams or even go after some starters and anything like that but but I think there's a lot of development happening in how players or how teams acquire players in the midseason. I think we're going to see a lot of that kind of be figured out over the next couple of years as just the the landscape of player acquisition just changes mm-hmm. based on there being more longer term contracts, there being twice as many players that even have contracts because of academy. So so that's that's all just a bunch of context on this, but to get into the specifics I I also think FlyQuest, you know they 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 do as an organization seem to have the philosophy of, of getting some young players ready. The, the difference is that they appear to be getting those players ready in the academy league rather than in uh, in the main league. So, you know they they took they brought Santorin in to replace Anda, but they put Anda down on the academy team. They're not they didn't ditch him. They right. put him in a different league. Said, you know, and, and my read on that is we still believe that you've got the potential to do this, but you're going to have to go prove it. You know, you you didn't do that for us in spring, go prove it in Academy and you'll have a chance to come back. Uh, I think that's what they're doing to support as well. I think they, they played with JJ a little bit. Um, and now he's, you know, from the look of it, going to be working on Academy. He, I think he'll have plenty of chance to prove that he should come up and replace Conquon, uh, depending how things go, uh, both in, in scrims and how they go on stage, um, you know, I think that's a similar story for Optic as well uh, when it comes to to their support role. Um, I think a lot of these teams are going to be, especially at the bottom end of the standings, are going to be willing to, to make some changes, uh, you know, from week to week as it goes um, and give these players a chance to develop in the Academy League and then make the jump up. Um, whether that's the jump in the middle of the season or the jump for next season or whatever it is, uh, that, that's that's my overall read on FlyQuest, is they wanted to get enough uh, veteran presence in their roster with Centaurin, with Keen, with Kwan, uh to stabilize and make sure that they weren't going to be worse than they were. Uh, but but they're going to use that Academy roster to to kind of apply that pressure uh, and see what happens.
0: Yeah. No, it, it is it is interesting when you compare how FlyQuest is handling their Academy roster versus how Optic is doing it. Um, You you are correct to point out, you know, they are giving players like Onda a chance to uh, develop in that academy system. They've clearly done a very good job with that team. They did win the academy league for whatever that is worth. Um, It it seems like they've got, uh, you know, a good coach and an invert kind of, uh, you know, getting these guys ready. And I I do think that uh, a guy like Onda, um, JJ, JJ in particular, I think we're going to see in the LCS one day. It's a matter of uh, when he gets enough seasoning, but I, I, I think giving these guys uh, some more time in the academy league can work out. I was surprised by how quickly Optic moved on from some of their academy players. A lot of changes for them. Uh, you know, looking at you know a totally different top laner, totally different uh, jungler, totally different support now for this academy system, and I do, I don't think that's intrinsically bad. It's just. You know, it's, it's the one team we really saw make that many changes in one split uh, to an academy roster um, this early on in the academy process. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to, uh, I guess, see how that pays off for them when we're looking at a year from now, two years from now, when we're hoping that a lot of this talent development starts materializing itself on the main stage. Um, so, uh, you know, last question, just to, to wrap, put a nice little bow on this. Um what uh, you know when we're looking back at the end of the summer split um and we're looking back on this season um what do you what do you think we're going to be uh, what do you think we're going to be saying where do you think we ultimately end up uh with this season I know it's it's early we've seen literally no games this meta is so weird so you can be as 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 vague as you want with it but, but where do you think we ultimately end up with the season
1: You know I think I'd be pretty I'd be pretty surprised to see Team Liquid miss the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're they're on the the right path to repeat. Um, you know, it's it's far more difficult to to win another championship than just being the best team on paper. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think they've got a good path there. I think I think we're going to be very surprised by the final regular season standings. Um, arguably I'd say we weren't that surprised by the regular season standings in spring, Uh, you know, a few pieces of movement here and there, but, but anytime it's, you know, 18 games, you know, moving to the, the getting rid of the best of threes and all that, that just creates a lot more variance. So I think we could have, you know, we were talking about earlier about one of the playoff teams, you know, from spring missing for summer. I think we could easily have more than one. Um, We could see some more movement there. And, and we might be surprised by it, but I think ultimately we're probably going to land with the with a pretty similar top three or four um, at the end. I think we'll see a TSM finish top four this time. Um, I, I have faith that they're going to bring it together. Uh, it, other than that, I think you know th- not that much has changed. And I don't think when it when it, all the dust settles down at the end of this, I don't think summer is ultimately going to finish that far different from spring. Uh, aside from you know, just the natural variance of, a an 18 game regular season.
0: Yeah, no, I, 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 sorry, go
1: ahead. I I was going to say also, I do think one of the, one of the storylines that's going to be pretty relevant by the end of this is, um, the role that coaching has played in, you know, given that you haven't really seen roster movement, um, on most of these teams, there has been a little bit of coaching change in a few of them, um, uh we we saw, you know, FlyQuest bring in St. Vicious and I believe it was Rapidstar who moved from FlyQuest to Cloud9 to help them out. There are a couple other things in, in coaching analysis that weren't really publicized or maybe not um talked about much, but but I think it's the performance of the coaching staff that's really going to to drive the if there are big changes in, in the final standings and the final outcomes, a lot of that I think is going to be attributable to what the coaches did, how well they were able to prepare and adapt their teams especially if we have quite a long period of, of unsettled meta at the start of the season.
0: Yeah, that's I. it's the one real wild card that um, is going to make the first few weeks of this season just fascinating. Uh, I don't think uh, many teams know exactly where we're going to end up from the meta we're in right now to the end of the split. Uh, Banner of Command, of course, is we know, is going to be gone, and that's a tool that you know, certain teams definitely used better than others. So, you know, seeing that tool disappear, uh, is going to benefit some teams a little bit more. Uh, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna take that adaptation and it's gonna take a uh, real film study. I, I think of, of what we saw over the course of the regular season, you know, this is the thing with best of ones. We're going to get variants, but we also have to keep in mind that this is, you know they only get to play each team twice you you can't really afford to uh throw away too many games or you're going to find yourself scrambling towards the end and I just think there are too many teams with too much talent uh to allow yourself to fall behind too badly and uh assume that you can play that catch up game later so I can't wait to see how this goes uh Tim thank you so much uh for coming on the show uh, other than Oracle's Elixir, which everybody should be checking out because it's the best place to get all of the advanced metrics you're looking for when it comes to uh, analyzing these top regions. Um, is there anything else you'd like to plug or say on your way out?
1: No, I, I just appreciate you having me on, uh, talking about this. It's always fun. Uh, I, I don't get to talk about you know the, the, the details of the teams and analyzing them and breaking them down and potentially criticizing them and all that as much as I... As I used to, and part of the reason is, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've got closer relationships with some of them now. Uh, The main thing I'm working on is something called Shadow, uh, which you can find at shadow.gg. It's a a professional analytics platform, not only for League of Legends, but also Counter-Strike and and Dota 2 as well. So, uh, you know, I work directly with some of these teams, um, support them, and and always excited to kind of see how they can perform and how well they can prepare and and how other coaches can do. So that's that's the main thing I'm working on, and... uh, and it makes it really fun to. You have that much more personal investment in, in how this kind of stuff plays out, even though I don't, you know, I can't actually take responsibility for any of the results, but it kind of feels like you can.
0: Oh yeah, Doug, man, all that analysis it, it does help uh, when teams are game planning and, and coming up with the best way to, to make use of their talent. So I I will always uh, appreciate the the numbers and the analytics that that uh, you've you've helped kind of become more of a staple of conversation in, in League of Legends. I, I think that your site can be attributed to a lot of that. And, and I can't wait to see uh, you know, a ShadowGG. Is, it's, I'm going to put that link and Oracle's Elixir in the description here. Um, but uh, everyone should uh, stay tuned to this YouTube channel because we are going to be doing uh, EU LCS coverage as well. I'm going to be having uh, Josh Keller, a former Unicorn Studio Analyst for Europe, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also going to be having Xander Raff, longtime friend of the pod, uh, on the show to talk about both regions. So uh, definitely stay tuned for that. And until next time, goodbye, Internet.